The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. It is the last week of February already, and the axe fell for the first time uh, this week. It's actually the um, last day of February, too, well, which is kind of scary. Yes, yes, it is. Um, we also have uh, players claimed off of waivers. Uh, we've got uh, some potential news for the Kraken. Um, Wait, players actually get called off of waivers? I mean, usually when you see a team put somebody on waivers, they almost always clear. I don't. I can't remember the last time somebody was actually claimed that. It happens like five times a season. Uh, it, like, but it's usually names that nobody recognizes. Anybody with a, any name that somebody could recognize, such as Adam Henrique, such as David Back, it, they they tend to clear waivers because nobody wants to pay them because I they're mean, a known quantity. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it, by it the was, time anyone by the time anyone's played 80, 70, 80 NHL games, they're probably a known quantity. Uh, to some extent. Okay. Um, that's the case uh, for the guy we're talking about. Um, and there still- was, of course, a trade we missed last week because it was one of the most confusing trades that I've seen in recent years and possibly a sign that the stock on someone has gone way, 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 way down. Um, okay. I don't even know. See, and the scary part is I don't even know what trade you're talking about because I have not seen it. I I must have completely missed it. Uh, well, uh, the Carolina Hurricanes between the 13th and 15th made three trades. Well, oh, wait a minute. There was, yes, okay, I did see that. It was kind of the, the one involving Ottawa and Toronto. Uh, Toronto, yes. Toronto. Okay, yeah, I did see that one, which was um, confusing. Very. Now I remember which one you're talking about. Yes, I've got cap friendly up in front of me. We had so much stuff on last week's show that we really weren't looking at minor trades. Um, So on the 13th, and you can write this down or not write it down or use your colorful lines of string, um, whatever, whatever works for you. Uh, Cedric Paquette and Alex Galchenyuk to the Senators for Ryan Dzingel. Um, the, the Hurricanes in that exchange added just under 700000 to their cap hit. Wait a minute. Uh, I, 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 I have to stop you already because, first of all, Alex Galchenyuk, as we all know, is the toughest man in the NHL. Um, that's when right. You, when you get traded for Phil Kessel because you want to get tougher – um, and the Penguins did just that because they were trying to get tougher. Of course, the season before, as we know, in some gallant move, they decided to not keep Ryan Reeves. You know, but then because decided he was get, too physical. Oh, but they yes. wanted to get tougher with. Okay, so Galchenyuk yes. went from the Canes to Ottawa, along with Cedric Paquette and Cedric Paquette, the former Tampa Bay Lightning player. Yes. Okay, got it. So, uh, so also got, on the thirteenth. Okay. They traded a twenty twenty two seventh round pick that belonged to the Columbus Blue Jackets to the Columbus Blue Jackets for Gregory Hoffman. 
Uh, if you somehow managed to forget who Gregory Hoffman is, shame, 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 like, shame, shame, like shame, 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 Mike shame. Hoffman? Uh, I will have to double check that. Um, <clears throat> Gregory Hoffman is a 28 year old center slash left wing, uh, playing in Switzerland or born in Switzerland rather. Um, okay. He has yet, uh, to play in North America. Mm-hmm. But he is having a pretty solid season with Zug of the uh, National League. Um, Zug, they're one of my favorite teams. I knew, and that's one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this this morning. Oh, okay. Um, wow. 17 goals, 21 assists, 38 points in 33 games. Uh, so pretty, pretty solid. Um, but yes, uh, at 28 years old, the center slash left wing uh, has not yet played uh, in the NHL. But fear not, um, <clears throat> I'm sure they will have him over here really, really, really soon. Really, really soon. And then, of course, trade number three, they waited an entire, uh, you know, two calendar days. It might not have been quite 48 hours. Um, David Warsawski and... Hey, I know that name. And Yegor uh, Korshov... Um, were traded for, uh, were acquired by the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for Alex Golchenyuk, who went to the Toronto Maple Leafs. So essentially, Wait, there okay, was. Okay, so I got this backwards. So the Canes traded Zingle for Galchenyuk and Paquette. Okay. Yes, and then okay. immediately sent, well, almost immediately sent him to the Leafs, so that the Senators and Leafs didn't have to have a in division trade. I see. I remember hearing about this only because there was one whole detail out of all this that was very important. And that was the fact that Galchenyuk, who was in Ottawa, never had to leave the country. So he could join the Toronto Maple Leafs right away instead of waiting the uh, agreed upon 14 days. He, he didn't really have to re-quarantine and all that other fun stuff. Um, so if you somehow managed to forget who uh, Igor Korshkov is, uh, he is a 24-year-old Russian um, drafted in the uh, first in the second round in 2016 by the Leafs. Um, he is he played one game for <clears throat> the Leafs last year. Uh, where he got a goal, so he's perfect uh, for scoring in his career in the NHL. And this year in the KHL, he's uh, he's got 34 points in 58 games, which is also mostly not terrible. So through all of this, the Canes managed to acquire Cedric Paquette, a couple of guys who are not going to leave the AHL, but saved themselves one. And they got a seventh, but they got a seven. They got a seventh round pick out of it too. And saved themselves one point seven, one point eight million dollars. Yes. There's a bigger move coming. I, I can feel there's a bigger move coming. When you're or, freeing, when you're freeing up money, when you. <laughs> there's a reason. I mean, partly we, those of us who are paying attention even with fans trickling back into the seats in uh, very small numbers. Um, 
the cap is probably going down next year. I don't think they're, they're going to have room. a. I don't think they're going to have a choice. I mean, as much as I know the NHL wants to try and keep it a flat cap and 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 keep it at eighty eighty one million eighty one and a half, I don't think they're going to be able to. I mean, even it putting go, like you said, it, even it, putting butts back in the seats. I mean, and they started already in Madison Square Garden, but the Bruins won't. Places, yeah. The Bruins won't have butts in seats until the end of March or almost the end of March. I saw an announcement that it was going to be open, and I love this because uh, one of mine and Chris's longtime friends uh, works at the arena, um, and she's uh, she's been nice to get her back to work a year at this point. Yeah, I'm pretty sure she'd like to get back to work. Yes, um, um, and it would be nice. It would be nice to get in. I mean, not. I mean, two thousand ish seats were you know. It's still a, a, a lottery <laughs> to try and get in there, but it's nice to know that uh, the fog is clearing, I guess, is the best way to put it. Uh, yeah. And but there's no way that they're going to be able to maintain another 81 and a half. If, I mean, unless they have unless the NHL has some kind of surprise up their sleeve with regard to a new television contract, a new television contract uh, would would probably do it. Um, <clears throat> maybe a new streaming service that fans don't hate. Um, uh, maybe if they, I don't know, there's, there's a couple of other things that they could do uh, that I think would generate some revenue. Um, but it would not surprise me to see the cap dip, uh, down to 75 or lower, which is <clears throat> major bad news for uh, well, a lot gonna- of teams. It's going to hurt teams like Edmonton that have 25% of their salary tied up in two players. <laughs> or, you know, uh, the Pittsburgh Penguins who have a huge amount of their salary tied up in three old players. Cause Ouch. I mean, it, well, I guess the positive is that the Edmonton players are still young, yes. <laughs> I, I mean, there's in hockey terms, there's literally no other word to describe where they are on the bell curve. Are they, is Crosby mostly defying the trend of falling off a cliff at 33, 35? Yeah. Malt, Malt has Maltby fallen off the cliff. He's played better of late. Malkin is unfortunately, I'm wondering. <clears throat> he seems disinterested, I think. And I don't know how much of that is age and Cumulative injuries. That's what, uh, yeah. See that you're hitting on what I was going to say. Have the have and the how much of it built and how up. much of it is purely the lockdowns because he's a guy who likes to spend time with people outside. Uh, he's not quite as gregarious as Ovechkin, but <clears throat> just. I mean, we used to see his. We, we we were used to seeing his uh, parents at at Penguins games, you know, three or four times a year. Has he even seen his family since this all started? Uh, has, has he seen his parents? That that's not. I can't imagine. I, I mean, I I don't know if there's different rules for. Uh, we know that some players have gone back to Europe at some point, but yeah, but they have Europe has all kinds of depending on where you're going. Oh yeah, all there's kinds travel of, restrictions of, of, of 
every sort. So and is the go ahead. No, I was just thinking: is the key piece in all of this the fact that Toronto acquired Galchenyuk to get Topper, or is the key piece of this Carolina uh, added Warsawski to improve their defense? It, I managed to do that with a straight face, by the way. I actually am impressed. Uh, see, I still think it's that seventh round pick they picked up out of uh, out of Columbus. Dare um, I say that probably is? And and okay, I just giggled. I was going to say that the seventh round pick is probably the key piece in the trades. But it uh, gives them three seventh round picks this year, and they might be able to trade all three of them for you know maybe uh, two fifth round picks. Uh, I was going to say a six, uh, yes, a fifth or two sixths, sure. Maybe even a fourth, depending on where it is. I mean, Ryan Dezingle is a solid player, or has been. I have not seen his numbers this season, and at 28, he's certainly not old. Uh, Looking at his numbers this season with Carolina in 11 games, he has four points, which... One a third of a point per season. Maybe he's a little bit below what he's done in the past. I, but not by much. I, he's a he's a grind. He's not a top. You know, he's not a top six. At least I don't think he is. No, <clears throat> but he's a valuable piece. And, uh, he's gone, and he's gone back home to where he started his career. Correct. After moving to Columbus and Carolina for a short period of time, he's back in Ottawa. So more power to him. I just I, I the only thing that we can and we've said it already is that money to be saved, a possible decrease in the cap. That's going to be more fun to talk about as the season moves along and, and in the offseason when we see drafts and, and free agency. And, of course, the expansion draft. Um, so diving uh, into yes. some of the other things this week, we mentioned the axe has fallen, uh, Claude Julien somehow removed, uh, and his boss still there. I, I, I'm. We were just talking about Claude and the job he's doing in Montreal. And, okay, yeah, they hit a little bit of a stumbling block. They They – they started the season gangbusters and and they and they stumbled a little bit. Okay, they were still in a playoff spot. But and you turn around and and can the guy? I don't. Where did that come from? But that's the and there's and here's the thing. They were we everyone was impressed with them because no one really expected them to be a top six seven team in the league. Like. No one. And and again, who are the names that we're talking about on that roster? Is it as as positive contributors? It's names like Jeff Petrie and Jake Allen and Jake Allen uh, has been has been a fine for that. I mean, he hasn't got a lot of points, but he's a third, fourth line center. He's physical. Jake Allen's a goalie. I mean, not Jake Allen. I'm thinking Jake Evans. Sorry, two different Jakes. Jake Allen was a good acquisition in goal, though, backing up. He's He's got better numbers than the number one up there, just kind of like a, a certain – not team. a small amount. Right. He's got – a okay, he's got a <clears throat> – 
Jake Allen has a 929 save percentage, which is really good no matter who you are and what team you're playing on. Agreed. He's got uh, neither one of them has a shutout, which I do find somewhat worrying this far into the season. Um, Carey Price's save percentage is 888, and that says everything. Yeah. And the goals against average, which I think this is the most comparable situation, is two goalies playing for the same team. <clears throat> Allen's is more than a goal better per game. He's allowing 2.12 goals per game, and Carey Price is um, apparently not actually playing goal. Uh, oh, okay. Because uh, I I can't find any other explanation. So okay. firing Claude Julian means that uh, Kirk Muller is going to what play Jake Allen more. I don't know that anybody's I don't think job he's going is going to be allowed to. I was going to say I don't know that anybody's job is secure if they suddenly sit Carey Price down. <laughs> and I'm I'm reasonably certain I know the answer to this, but did did Claude Julian uh, write up uh, Carey Price's ten million dollar a year contract? Uh, unlike the Unlike the soccer leagues in Europe, the head coaches here don't usually get involved in signings and and hirings and firings of players. Okay, thought so. Now, <clears throat> when was the last time you w- saw a Stanley Cup uh, team, a Stanley Cup winning team, who was led in points by a defenseman? Mm. Has it actually happened in your lifetime? I don't think it's happening yes. in mine. Yes, 1972, Bobby Orr. Okay, you, yeah, yeah, I wasn't alive. I don't know if so. I'd consider that my lifetime, but it's close enough. I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't that, alive then, so no. That would have it hasn't to be. Happened. And certainly not in the modern era. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't happen where the defenseman it's is here. It's not a good sign. I mean, Jeff, now if, if. <laughs> If your team was being led by a future Hall of Famer, like a clear first ballot Hall of Famer, like zero questions he's going to get in, only whether it's going to be unanimous or not. Okay, I could I could maybe give that a pass. Like someone goes someone finds a time machine and pulls out pulls 1984 Ray Bork uh, out of the out of it and plops him onto the ice for pick your team. He leads mm-hmm. the team in points. Great. Jeff Petrie, probably not getting into the hall of fame without buying a ticket. Yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I don't think he's hot. It would have to be a very slow hall of fame class. I and, and, given his age, that's just not going to happen. The guys who are going to be retiring around the time that he retires. No, I mean, he's 33. So he's the same age as Malcolm Crosby and Latang. Um, I just, I'm still trying to answer the question. If Jeff Petrie, a mediocre defenseman, is leading your team in scoring, you have issues. Mm-hmm. If the highest, if a third of the way into this admittedly short season, the highest goal scorer of any drafted player 
has six goals, less than half of that of the top of your roster. So but are you still answering? in third place, <coughs> Tyler Toffoli. Um, yeah. Tyler Toffoli was a good, a good acquisition. Yes, but their, their best goal scorer this year for someone drafted by the organization is Brendan Gallagher, which isn't necessarily a surprise, but he's only got six goals. Okay, so is the head coach responsible for scouting and drafting? Um, not the last time I checked. No, no. Okay, I'm just because we don't seem to be answering the all important question of why. You know, I understand the who, what, when, where, and how of it, but. Well, I don't know about the where, I guess that would be Montreal would be the simple answer. But the why doesn't seem to be getting answered here because I can't find an answer for it in any of this. Okay. This is a man who was leading the team, had them playing high caliber hockey, had them in a playoff spot. Yes, they stumbled a little. If that were the answer, we'd be firing Bruce Cassidy. Um, Many teams in Canada would be firing their coaches. There'd be a lot of coaches around looking for jobs right now if that were the case. But okay, because he stumbled, you fired him. I don't know. I, I don't get it. And not that uh, coaches are responsible for the health and wellness of players anyways, but do you know how many players the uh, Canadians have uh, unavailable for play at the moment? Unavailable for play? Unavailable for play. Uh, not off the top of my head, I do not. That's okay, and because three, the number is zero. Four? Oh, okay. Zero. Healthy. So Excellent. Healthy roster, uh, what there is of it. And don't get me wrong, I like several players on this team. Really do. Yeah. But. Anybody who knows me knows who my favorite is. Mm-hmm. Name... Name the all-star among their forwards. Tyler Toffoli. Um, sort of, can you usually, put, sometimes. Can you put Nick Suzuki? I mean, can you put Nick Suzuki in there? Are they gonna, I mean, if, if you're they, having a Young Stars game, sure. You and I both like Brendan Gallagher, but is he an all-star? Is he all-star caliber this season? No. Druen, no. Yeah, that's a tough one. You know, I don't know that you could. (sighs) Philip Deno? Eh. I mean. I don't dislike him. I think that if you're sending, if they are doing an all-star game weekend, whatever, and they're going to hold up the rule of one player from each team, I think it's coming from the defense. Yeah, it's probably it's going to be Jeff Petrie this year. Because the only way Carey Price would go is if it's literally in his contract. Oh, Philip Deneau has zero goals this season. Okay. Yes, yes. Spectacular. I mean, if you're going purely <laughs> off of stats, you're probably sending Jake Allen. Um, because oh, well, there's that too, yeah. He's that much better this year than... I mean, a 929. I, I think the, the, the goaltending 
uh, spots would be interesting fills. There would be names that people wouldn't. It's not going to be the typical, oh, wait, Carrie Price, Marc-Andre Fleury, Vasilevsky. No, it's going to be Chris Drieger, Kevin Lankinen. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be guys that you haven't seen in an all-star game before. <laughs> Which would you make a lot of the sponsors buggy. <clears throat> Vasilevsky uh, yeah, Montreal, would be there. Montreal's, Montreal's lone player is definitely coming from the defense. Unless they're going to send Allen, which I I think that would could be considered blasphemous if you sent Jake Allen to an all-star game and not Carey Price. There are people who would have a major problem with it, yeah. So they're going to send Jeff Petrie. I don't know how Shea's doing. I know he's had a couple of goals. Uh, I mean, looking at, he's got nine points in 19 games. That's not bad. No, it's not. But again, a team being a team in the modern era being led in points by a defenseman, <laughs> a defenseman who is, again, not going to be a Hall of Famer. Unless suddenly at age 33, he he becomes a 25 to 30 goals goal scorer per season um, and keeps it up for like five or six years. He's a, he's a point per game player, he can claim. Just about 18 points in 19 games. Wow. Yes. In the in the division with the softest goaltending and defense uh, in recent history. Are you I'm trying to say that Miko Koskinen and Jacob Markstrom and. And and Braden Holpe are not good goaltenders. <laughs> Look, the Hart Trophy because it's pretty much a goal score, a, a points produce uh, points production trophy at this point. Yeah, is I coming like from that. this division. It's just um, yeah, it and is. It's probably it's probably going to end up in uh, in Edmonton again in Alberta. I still don't have an answer as to why they fired Julian. Um, actually, I think there might <clears throat> there might be an answer, and if it's the answer, it's the stupid answer. Um, okay. If <clears throat> if 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 the Montreal yeah. Canadiens are going to make this the season where they just clean house uh, at just before the trade deadline, um, and basically uh, <clears throat> prepare themselves for younger players, otherwise known as tanking. Um, and they decide to get as many assets as possible because they already have Is two seconds, told- three thirds, three fourths and three fifths this year. That's great. Has anybody told Bergevin that they're going to be revamping the uh, lottery rules? <laughs> they should be using our rules, but um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Uh, that was what three shows ago we talked about uh, the lottery rules. Two actually, two. but <laughs> but let's let's look at who's who they could move right now. UFA Thomas Tatar, Philip Deneau, Not that they wouldn't get anything for him this year. Joel Armia, ugh, they might get a third round pick for him, which I guess is useful. Third um, round pick, wow, that's high for Armia. Um, Corey Perry. If he says, "Yeah, Waver, I want to go play for a waivers buyout," no, I don't. I don't. He's under a million. 
Yeah, but I don't see them trade. I don't know if they could. Yeah, if he's cheap enough, I guess. Yeah, okay, they probably could trade him. And you know, if they actually have centers who can, you know, win faceoffs and stuff like that, he might still be useful uh, in front of the net. Um, plus, is there enough? Good. Is there enough personnel? Move movable, movable personnel. If they can pick roster, up like two or three more seconds. To make it worth tanking, though, if you could move half of that roster or a third of that roster, it'd be one. You're going to move like two or three people. You're not making a huge impact on. Oh, we're getting younger and we're going to do this and we're. You're moving three people. But realistically, if you move <coughs> three skaters, and mm-hmm. given the way that Carey Price is playing right now, if you just oh, put him in for the rest of the season. Okay. I thought you were going to say move him. I'm like, whoa. There's no one paying for that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I don't think that there's a general manager in the league crazy enough to take on Carey Price's contract right now. Uh, Bobrovsky. um, (laughs) How many other $10 million a year goaltenders do we have? Let's see. (laughs) None. Or maybe one. There's Bobrovsky. There's Price. I'm struggling to think of the third one, yeah. And neither one of them has won a cup. Uh, but they have won Vesnas. And that's uh, apparently more important. It sounds like it if you're going to give them $10 million bucks a year. You stop and look at look at what Lankinen's doing. I think he makes, what, one – he makes – Maybe ten percent of what Carey Price makes. <laughs> and and you gotta love it when goaltenders like having a Lankin in or uh, in 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 LA's in LA's house with having like Cal Peterson. Cal Lankinen is actually forcing Malcolm Subban to be a better goaltender. Cal Peterson is forcing Jonathan Quick to be a better goaltender. Both of those players have improved their stats, their numbers uh, over the last week or two. I mean, it's been interesting to watch to see a a, a guy who a, who's a backup and a guy who was a fourth having that kind of influence over goaltenders ahead of them. Uh, but all of this is still not answering the question of why he's gone. And and I found uh, an article uh, just very quickly. It's it just a mailbag type of thing because I'm sure that we're going to be talking about this team as we move forward. And that's the Seattle Kraken. And it's just a mailbag thing that says, will Claude Julian be a coaching candidate for the Kraken? Uh How interested Julian? A better uh, question is why haven't they already set up an interview with him? It, well, it, it would seem that there are other candidates available for the position that I'm sure we're going to be talking about. Let's very, talk about them very soon. Yeah. Uh, at, before we move on from Julian, are there other coaching candidates that are on the hot seat? Or are we going to come on back? Who you ask. Uh, I mean, circle back to that. I guess. I guess you have to ask yourself, what are your expectations for this season for a given team? And how is that comparing to the reality? 
Um, I think that the bubble hockey we saw over the summer Mm -hmm. is not indicative of normal NHL play. A lot of the teams that did pretty well were very, very young, which means they had fewer outside distractions. And quite frankly, they're more used to other people dictating every minute of their lives than someone in their late twenties or early thirties. Okay. Um, and that is why teams like <clears throat> Vancouver and, uh, and even Montreal had pretty good showings because it was less, <sighs> there was less distracting them from the pure hockey aspect of it. You know, a, a sort of like playing in, you know, a junior tournament or a grade school age tournament um, and hanging around with your friends all weekend. Most of them don't have most of those really young players don't have kids. Their parents are young and healthy enough that they don't have to worry about them. Um, you look at some of the older players, you know, we could point uh, we can point to Tuka Rask. He had, you know, he has multiple children. One of them mm-hmm. was having major <clears throat> or at least noticeable health issues. It's a distraction, whether you want to Clearly. talk about it or not. Whether you think it's fair to talk about how it affects the team or not, yeah. it's there. And pretending that it's not it is ridiculous. It's like saying that, you know, <sighs> yeah. So um, there, so it's possible we could see other heads roll. It is possible we'll see other heads roll. In fact, I think I think at this point, uh, over under before the end of the season is probably three, uh, three additional coaches. Wow. Um, I I would have gone with a couple that I, I to, see. To me, there's just this season to gauge. Uh, the See, I capabilities don't like. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think we're oh, going to okay. say the same thing, but uh, go ahead. Gauging gauging a coach's capabilities in this season in particular is just I I don't think that that's being fair to the coaches. If you want to turn around and say, well, you know, Buffalo hasn't, you know, is it the coach's fault at this point in Buffalo because you fired? Uh, uh, didn't they have Bilesma? They fired Bilesma. Then they fired um, the one that they hired, the the defensive coach Phil Housley from that they got from Nashville. Now they got Kruger. Uh, not for anything, but the the Pagulas like firing people. So they fired Bottle. They fired this one. This one. The Pagulas like to fire and hire people. I don't know if they just have a thing for shiny new objects. But they tend to fire people up there like most of us change our daily underwear. Um, <laughs> yeah, you basically just said what I was going to say. Um, some of the not- ownership groups are less than stellar. Um, but uh, one of the articles yeah. I was reading uh, prior Is to the show Kruger on the line that on the hook, then <laughs> could he be terminated? Oh, absolutely. Enough, I, I don't put anything past the Pagulas at this point. Yeah, you and me both. Thank you. <laughs> so Jackie Spiegel, um, Sporting News, a uh, uh-huh. list of five head coaches uh, who are now on the hot seat after Julian. 
Uh, we already mentioned uh, the Canucks and Travis Green. Um, Again, are you really going to play Travis Green? Yeah, I think it's premature. I, I, I wouldn't do it. No, I wouldn't either. Are you kidding me? Um, Calgary. By the way. Go ahead. No, just a quick common thread. Last season, Vancouver doing really well. They acquired some guy named Tyler Tapoli this season. Montreal doing really well. Acquired some guy named Tyler Tapoli. Is acquiring that one guy who's had a playoff experience or had that had the experience that he's had? Can he really have that kind of an influence on a team? I think on a very young team, absolutely. It's the it's probably the biggest the biggest impact uh, dollar for dollar is having that one guy who has been there, done that. Um, and has the, uh, kooky partying story with the cup. Um, no, I just, I didn't want to get deep into it. I just noticed the common thread between the two. So, so green uh, would be, yeah, bad move. I think terminating him. Um, because as we said earlier, this is the year of the coach. There is, there have been some really good coaches in the North division. And while Travis green, I don't think is the best coach in the league. He's certainly not the worst, um, and he's got a he's got a team with a lot of young players and several fairly old players, without a lot of that mid career. I guess lassitude is definitely the wrong word, but uh, phlegmatic nature. Um, okay. I think that a lot of the older players that when things get bad and they're not necessarily natural leaders. They tend to fold in on themselves and concentrate a little bit heavier on on getting their own game right than necessarily in helping some of the others. Um, and I think that's some of what we're seeing in in Vancouver. So no, I I I don't see that high, that firing Green is um, the wrong thing is the right thing to do. Exactly. John Hines in Nashville. Um, they just I talked see that. The, Go ahead. They just acquired. No, they just acquired him, and you got rid of Laviolette, who I didn't understand the move at the time because I don't even know if it. I didn't even know if it was a lateral move at that point. I mean, you're bringing in a guy who to you're bringing in a guy who hasn't done much as far as postseason. To mm-hmm. replace a guy who's been to the final with three different teams, um, did he lose the ear of the lock? Did he lose the the the, the ear of the locker room, uh, Laviolette? Maybe I just I I didn't see it as a good move at the time, and now replacing him again is just to me not a good look for Poyle and the and the Preds. See, I said something that you disagreed with before the show. And I will stand by it. I think that <clears throat> while Poyle has done some really good things and he proved after the team managed to renegotiate its uh, arena deal and get the ability to spend closer to the cap and up to the cap that mm-hmm. he can do things well, um, yeah. he still hasn't produced a win and he's been there for ever agreed uh clean sweep uh everyone above the 
everyone between owner and training staff. Yeah, you're saying empty their office, hose the place out, and start over. We will get into that in more detail in the coming weeks. Um, because I don't think that they can climb into the playoffs this year without major reinforcements. And even then, in such a short season, when the reinforcement window where is shorter, I mean, where are they getting them? How are they paying for them? And <clears throat> are they going to be able to keep them next season, uh, depending on what happens with the cap? They're not. Um, even, they're, I, I don't even. I don't even think they're in a in a buy situation right now. I mean, I think. Uh, and again, more to come. But I think they're. I think they, they should be in a sell situation. They're in sixth in the central, and the, and the five the teams ahead is of them. Is, yeah. yeah. But okay, Ralph Kruger, Buffalo Sabers. Hey, we just talked division. about that. Um, <clears throat> let's face it, they didn't add much in the off season. Uh, yes, Taylor, Taylor Hall. Hall. <laughs> but that yes, was Taylor their only Hall. signing as far as I know. They didn't really they didn't address their biggest area of mm-hmm. need and that's defense, like useful defense, not like number 4s, 5s and 6s, but you know the top half of your defense. Um which isn't easy which isn't necessarily easy to find. So no, I <clears throat> I think Ralph Kruger may end up getting axed, but I don't wow. think hey, it's it his says- problem. It says right here. Wow, it's like this. It's like this. This writer read my mind. Will Kruger be fired? Who knows? But the Pagulas do like to fire people. Uh, yes. Wow, I thought I was the only one who thought that. And then David Quinn, New York Rangers. Uh, absolutely not. I think that would be another mistake. They are probably playing in the. Most difficult division to win in. And, and, and oh, by the way, well. it's only the, like, number one TV market in the country. And they yeah. have they have a wealth of really good young talent who are playing pretty well. And I, I don't know that you can disrupt Foxes, Lafreniere's, Miller's um, progress. Yeah by changing coaches unless the coach proves toxic. And quite frankly, David Quinn came out of college. He's used to play. He's used to working with players around this age. Yeah. Come out, come out, coming out of BU where he learned under, uh, who is that guy? Jack Parker. He might be going in the hall of fame or might've already gone in the hall of fame. Um, um, he, if, yeah. If some, if you actually fire him, he probably jumps the list to the top three available coaches who would get a new position, uh, like quickly. Is I mean, is it the I just that would I think that would be a that would really be a mistake. I mean, he managed to handle the Anthony D'Angelo issue about as good as it could be handled. I mean. I think there was a slight flare up and that was it. I mean, it did not burst into a a huge raging five alarm fire. Uh, yeah, he's got a, he's dealing with Zabanajad who's been snake bitten. He's dealing with uh, Shesterkin and Georgiev uh, not having Lundqvist uh, to 
cover them up. So he's got a couple of young goaltenders there. And Shesterkin started the season eh, coughing up a hairball. He's been coming around as of late. You've got young kids on defense. You've got young kids on offense. I mean, Capo Caco, Lafreniere, like you said. You've got uh, even Julian Gauthier, who apparently likes to score against the Bruins. Two of his goals this season, his first one ever, and then both against the Bruins. Um, Honestly, it's... It's a young squad. You've got a young coach who's used to dealing with young players. I, I, that that shouldn't happen enough. <laughs> Anybody else on this list? Um, one more guy who's effectively who's still early in his career as an NHL head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, someone we're both kind of familiar with, Jeff Ward. Jeff Ward was part of the uh, Stanley um, Cup win here in in Boston. Fifth, I'm already. Uh, I'm already thinking. No, I'm just already thinking bad move. But go ahead. Yeah, no, he he was here in Boston. Yeah. Uh, Responsible for in part for the revisit of Lord Stanley. Yeah, absolutely. Jeff Ward. uh, um, The team is still above 500. They and again, this is a team where not much was added and a lot of their forwards are underperforming. Um. This, I, I think, this is a terrible year to evaluate anything. Mm-hmm. Anything. Um, that's why I. That's why I thought coaches like uh, Blashill and and Colleton and Wow, as we talked about last week, Colleton might even be in the running for the Adams. In fact, he and Quenville were the only two we were considering. <laughs> but that's why coaches that struggled like I said like Blashill I think they still kind of get a pass this year Blashill's yeah, I did multiple GMs I, they need to settle down in Detroit and then figure out what they've got and that's what Eisman's trying to do but I don't think you can terminate anyone I'm surprised that Julian was shown the door and again still no answer look I'm why. still surprised that Julian was let go here um, yeah, yeah, I, I didn't want to dig that deep, but yes. <laughs> and look at what it's done, and look at how how great the Bruins have been. They've won what a cup every year since he's been gone. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we have those parades all the time. In fact, I think they already planned the next three parades, like right until the end of uh, um, Bruce's contract. Oh, okay. Yeah, that, they're that, they're good. actually that's the move on Sweeney's part. Yeah, I, I think they I think they're actually considering just uh, setting a date and calling it um, St. Bruce's Day in Boston. Wow, I didn't hear that one. That's a new one. Okay. You see, I I have my uh, I have my ear uh, right to the ground, the pulse of the city. Uh, it, it comes right to my ear. Okay, good to know. Uh, yeah. In case I need information, I like that. Okay. But when you look at this, when you look at this roster for the Calgary Flames, uh, and you probably don't actually want to because there's a whole lot of not much of going on outside of wanting Elias Lindholm. Yeah, uh, I would. In, in most <laughs> most years, I would say, give me Noah Hannafin in a heartbeat. He's only got three points in twenty two games. 
he hasn't been. Yeah, he hasn't been exactly. He's not been anything like himself, uh, like the guy that we saw before he got to Calgary. I don't know if it's just playing in Cal, because uh, no, actually, yeah, this season, last season, not good for him. Um, <clears throat> last mm-hmm. season in seventy games, he had twenty-two points. This year in twenty-two games, he has three points. Um, his plus minus has improved, which is yay. But um, his first season up there, eighty games, thirty-three points, which was which was which was good. You know, the year before he had seventy-nine games, he had thirty-two points for Cal- for Carolina. Um, I <sighs> Noah Hannafin is that he's a Boston boy. I don't know if. He just doesn't enjoy the place if the team setting isn't great um, or if it's just, you know, pandemic worry. Okay. You're either old or young on this defense. Giordano 37, 10 of 31. And then, oh, wait, I apologize. Nikita Nesterov is 27. So they do have one guy who's. What you would consider in the prime, exactly, Nikita Nesterov. Um, and then the other four are 22, 23, 24, 24. So you're either young or old on this defense. There's no, except Nothing for Nesterov, the there's no middle ground. <laughs> and I recognize, uh, yeah, I know who Hannafin is. I Rasmus Anderson, not sure about him. Valamaki, I've heard the name before, but mm. Kylington, I think I've seen his name on uh, NHL 2019 or 20. Uh, but I don't know him. I I, I just want to say that it's firing the head coach this season uh, not a good move. I don't. Or firing without cause. If someone is doing something yes. actively okay. detrimental to people's health or safety or sanity, uh, although that technically falls under health, but yeah, uh, fire them with a cannon straight uh, straight to the nearest volcano. But um, I still want Elias Lindholm. But <laughs> so, so if they want to give up the. Uh, if they want uh, to give up the 26-year-old, um, I'm standing in line. Wait, I'm gonna he's going to go a help right, him pack? He's a right wing. What are those? He's a right wing center. Uh, I, I, I'm not familiar with what a right wing is. Well, I realize we don't put a, a lot of importance on that position here in Boston, but we might want to consider it. We. So... Uh, <laughs> With all of the coaches who are potentially uh, on their way out mm-hmm. and all of the coaches who are already out, so, um, how does Seattle evaluate the market? How do the teams who have a guy that they might not want anymore or whose contract that, might be expiring? I'm thinking at this point, the Kraken get to sit back and kind of let them all fight it out, I guess. I mean, see who comes who rises to the top i mean their choices are are, are okay not with necessarily julian, getting better and better i still think that julian might be a if 
from a hockey knowledge standpoint, from a, an experience standpoint, I think Julian's got to be at the top of the list. But Of the guys available, there are two guys who I think are going to be the best at putting together whatever comes out of their draft lottery and free agency. And there's a couple of other guys who I think could do really well with a, with a fairly elite ready to compete, ready to ready to compete for a cup, ready to run at least through the second round of the playoffs team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I think, I think it's obvious that, you know, Peter Laviolette, um, you give him a team that's anything close to a serious playoff quality team, you know, something that's not expected to go out in the first round. And he can probably get them to the second round because he knows the rest of the NHL that well. Um, and I think that <sighs> where is Peter now? Washington. Um, I thought, I thought Peter was on the shelf. Uh, cause as of the time this article was written, which was yesterday, he's, uh, he's listed as, Peter Laviolette's the head coach in Washington. Oh, you're right. He is. Okay. Um, Which, again, doesn't necessarily mean that he's safe either. I mean, at this point, if they're going to start throwing around names for terminating, are Washington Washington living up to their capabilities? They weren't. Who's who's doing the evaluating? There's another question. We seem to create more questions than answers at this point. Right now, Washington leads the Mass Mutual East Eastern Division. Wait a minute. I thought Boston was in that position. Ooh. Well, it depends on how you uh, – I mean, Washington has more points. Boston has a better winning percentage. And this all has to points do with postponed games and things like that of that nature, yeah. Um, so, okay, so, he's, so if he's got the top team, then he's not going anywhere. But once again – Laviolette's proving that he can go into a team, although this team was tailor-made to, I mean, he's got the Ovechkins, he's got the Oshis, he's got John Carlson on defense and Orlov, and and they brought in Justin Schultz, and and then goaltending is probably the one big question mark on that team, unless you stop and say, wow, Craig Anderson? Nice. (laughs) that's uh hey he won his first game the other day so okay um we were wondering who's going to be the next head coach to be fired uh according to our good friends over at sportsbettingdime.com uh DJ Smith and Jeff Blashill have emerged as co-favorites uh, for the odds to be the next coach fired at plus 450. They Last have Travis. Show. Yep. They have Travis Green at plus 600. Uh, they have. Uh, where is it? Here's the link. <laughs> I don't, I was not going. I would not have gone to look up odds this early. I wasn't but, actually um, looking up odds. I was looking for something else, but. Um, I think it's uh, amusing. Blashill is is the uh, 
odds on favorite to get fired next. I'm not saying that Eisenman won't do it. I'm just, I, I, I don't know. And I'm, I'm still cracking I mean, head coach choices. So if it's not, if it's not Julian, um, if it is one of these other guys, I could see them potentially grabbing. I, it, the issue is Gerard Gallant, when he was brought in to coach Vegas, I don't know that Vegas was anticipating. They had that five-year plan, McPhee, genius that he was in, in acquiring the players that he did. I think that in a weird way, I think Gerard Gallant, Gallant was kind of grossly overachieved. I think Gallant was expected to be a placeholder for the next coach, whoever that might have been, because they weren't expecting in that five-year plan, they weren't expecting that it was going to turn into, uh, hey, let's get to the Stanley Cup final and almost win the damn thing in our first year. Yes, I think that was (laughs) definitely not in any sane expectations. Um, And our good buddies over at the Sports Geek, they actually have breakdowns of the odds for who's going to be the next head coach, both for the Habs mm-hmm. and the uh, Kraken. Well, the Habs, it's probably Kirk Muller unless they decide to go outside the team. Um, possibly, um, although we know that. <clears throat> wait a minute. I thought according. Wait a minute. According to this, Muller was fired. I don't think that's right. Muller is like the interim. He and Ducharme are like co-interim head coaches or something. Dominic Ducharme and Kirk Muller both assume the role of interim head coach. If I read the stories correctly back when it happened. Huh? No, this I mean, depending on which story. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so we're going to ignore that one. It's Mark Bergevin. I don't know who's no. This says head coach Dominique Ducharme. Uh, it's so Mark okay, Bergevin. I, I, I guess don't know who's Merler was let go too, but okay. Oh, I don't know who Bergevin is. I don't know who's managing his medications. Um, <clears throat> instead of managing his medications, uh, just put him in a rest home. Yeah. Um, but here's the here's the uh, front runners for for Montreal: Guy Boucher, Dominique Ducharme, Patrick Gruois, Benoit Groulet, Andre uh, Turney. That would be interesting. Joel Bouchard, Stefan Julien, and then Pascal Vincent. Of those, I think that. Is Roulat ready to step back into a coaching role? Is the team going to be able to put up with Patrick Roulat is a better question. Yeah. Patrick Roulat was leaving aside that first uh, plastic wall pushing weekend he had as a coach. In Colorado, yeah. Which was honestly hilarious. but Yes. Entertaining, um, yes. Solve any problems? Not really. Probably not. <laughs> but okay, hear me out. I think there are players on the team who would respond well to it. Shea Weber might get a new lease on life, having that much energy behind the bench. We know Brendan Gallagher loves to engage. 
Uh, Philip Deneau loves to engage. Coat Kanemi. I don't uh, know. 19 years old, probably going to be scared if Rua goes into a tantrum. Um, <laughs> I mean, at, at, at 19, Coat Kanemi may never have had a coach that um, demonstrative. Uh, uh, good word. Yes, demonstrative. Um, Tyler Toffoli, I don't think he's going to be impressed by that. No, uh, I think I think that I think having most of his years being coached under uh, Mr. Sutter. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and and Sutter has Sutter could get he angered could with pain. the best of them, but I don't think that he had the I don't think that he had the tantrums that Rua would have or possibly have. And Josh Anderson has played under. Both Julian and uh, Tortorella. Tortorella. Wow. So he's, he's just going to basically tune Rua out then. <laughs> like, Tortorella, for all his occasional um, venom, uh-huh. is 300% focused on hockey, even yes. at his worst. Rua, I don't know if he has behind the bench the credentials to be able to have that sort of tantrum and keep the room. Right. John Tortorella, long time ago, Stanley Cup. bought Stanley Cup as a coach. Mm-hmm. Patrick Roy, yes, he won, a, he won a cup. He was an awesome goaltender. His accomplishments yeah. as a head coach? Not so much. Eh, they're not the worst we've ever seen. Okay. Um... But are any of these people, if they're all in line for Montreal? I, I mean, you have to remember that you, you, it's pretty much a re- job requirement to be able to speak French. Oh, that's and funny. I mean, I still would almost pick Patrick Roy because I think that Guy Boucher is less uh, personable overall. Uh, Dominique Ducharme, I, I don't know. About him. I don't know enough about him. Um, not necessarily. That's not necessarily bad. And the rest of the guys, meh. If you're going away from NHL, like heavily NHL experienced goaltender, at worst, the, uh, uh, Patrick Rua for two or three years is worth trying. Okay. Um, I find I mean, the Kraken one is almost a list that shouldn't actually be a list. It should be like two names. Like legitimately like two names because there's guys on this list who if I had moved to Seattle and let's face it, if I had moved to Seattle a year or two ago, I would have been all in. I would have cracking gear right now. I would be sitting in my home cracking on the walls, cracking on the back because it's exciting to be on the ground floor of a new franchise. Yes. Their list um, my, their list is interesting. Gerard Gallant is listed first. That's what I was going to, that was my first question. Is Gerard Gallant a candidate? Cause he's been there, done that. He's <laughs> um, Bruce Boudreaux is second and he's supposedly interested in the team. That um, and we do have I some, wanted. yeah, we have some interesting info. Yeah. Yeah. And those two are really close for the first, um, 
They're at plus 200, plus 250 for odds, according to our friends at SeatGeek. Okay. And then there's this enormous gap. <clears throat> enormous. Mm-hmm. At, eight, at plus 850, you have Claude Julian, Mike Babcock, nope. John Nelson, or Todd Nelson, John Stevens. Um, I like Gerard Gallant a lot. Like if they pick him to be their head coach, awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh, no complaints. Bruce Boudreaux has such a short shelf life that if you're hiring him, you're basically saying we're not trying in the first three years. Interesting. Okay. Mike Babcock is a flat out no in my book. Yeah, no, no. And then after the plus 850s, you've got Ricard Gronenberg. He's a plus 950. A name I really didn't expect to see on this list in Rod Brindamore at a plus 1100. But if you're if if you're thinking in terms of what he and um, Ron uh, Ron Francis, yeah, it, you know the camaraderie, the the team, the they know each other. They, they know each yeah, other well in, in Carolina. They established in Cal- in Carolina. It's a possibility. It's a long shot. It, well, it's not the longest of long shots, but it. Like you said, plus eleven hundred, and I'm still not sold on the, how the pluses work. So, uh, and I'm then you old get to, to a couple one, of names that, are, that almost make sense. I mean, you've got this Mike guy's Lugier. name just yeah. Go ahead. He's at, he's at plus fifteen hundred with a guy who has at least won a Stanley Cup. Um, even if I don't particularly like him, I like mm-hmm. him better than some of the guys listed for Montreal. But Dan Bielsma at plus there it is. That guy's name pops up. Dan Bielsma's name still pops up. It's like Like, the. I don't know if he's not looking for a coaching job, if he's waiting for the right coaching job or because let's face it, he he has to have had offers by now. He has to have interviewed by now. Mm -hmm. Uh, For those of you wondering who Mike Vellucci is. Um, he's been, uh, he's been the head coach of the AHL Charlotte checkers. Uh, he was the head coach there for two seasons, uh, for the 1920 season. He was, uh, the Wilkes, Wilkes bar Scranton, uh, penguins, uh, head coach. Um, he has won a championship at the AHL level. He's won at the, as a head coach at the OHL level. Um, and he won two championships back to back, um, in, uh, for the CompuWare ambassadors in the NAHL going way back. So he's got some chops, even if I haven't seen him, even if he hasn't got any NHL experience yet, Mm -hmm. uh, if you're going to have a really young team that I, I can see that I really can see that. Um, and then then there's a name on the list. I don't know that it's going to be a really young team, though. I mean, you stop. And no, look it's at, not. Right. Uh, and that's why I think the, that he, his name is so far back. And then there's another name on the list that says, not only are you not trying, um, you don't know what you're doing. If out of all of these names and more, mm-hmm. you have 
a head coaching position to fill as the inaugural head coach of the 32nd franchise of the NHL of the NHL. Someone who is going to be there to guide your team into the murky finances out uh, coming out of the uh, out of the pandemic. Uh-huh. You pick Mike Yeo. Just hand the franchise over to someone else. Literally go stand out in go stand out in front of the psychiatric ward at some hospital and hand the keys to the first per, for the to the first patient to walk out. Just do it. Okay. You don't Just like do Mike Yo, huh? As again, as the first head coach of a new franchise, when finances are going to be iffy for mm-hmm. at least three years coming out of this, you pick Mike Yeo as your head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally I would take my, if I'm again, if I had moved to Seattle before this, I would take my gear all the way down to, uh, I would find the owner's house and literally burn it, burn the gear in their driveway. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I'd be inclined to agree. Honestly, as much as it, it, it's fun, and, and it says in this article that the the solid bet is Gerard Gallant, I kind of would have to agree. Just he's got to have a leg up on everybody else because he's already been there with Vegas. Yes, is it a big leg up? No, uh, but it's a leg up. But I think he's also a good coach. Period. I yeah. Well, I I thought it was odd the way they removed him and and brought. <laughs> they removed him and brought in Peter Dubois from San Jose, who hasn't been as close as Gerard Gallant was in the last five years <laughs> to winning um, Lord Stanley's Cup. From, I mean, I think I've made it fairly obvious, but for me, uh, the Seattle job, it should be a two-man list. Gerard Gallant or yeah. Claude Julien? Yeah, those are my two. Um, Boudreaux, I just don't think is, uh, he's excited for it. He wants it. I know that he, I just read that he, he and his wife started a team in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Yes. Uh, Uh, they, they purchased a junior A team. Um, didn't start one. They purchased it. Okay. Well, they purchased a franchise for it and moved it there. But, um, and they're moving back to town because we all know that Bruce Boudreaux first gained fame running the Hershey, uh, the Hershey bears, the arena, this team is going to play in, uh, is the same arena that, uh, NBA superstar hall of fame legend and all around touchstone, uh, Wilt Chamberlain scored his hundred points in. Well, that's and it's exciting. An, and it's an old school arena because a, Apparently, sometimes during games, the whole building gets foggy, which honestly, I would love to see. Like, legitimately, if I knew a month ahead of time that there was a there were a couple of nights in a row that the arena could get foggy during games, I would legit take the time off to drive from the Boston area down to Hershey, find a hotel, grab some tickets and show up for a couple of games. So how I mean in in that he has now moved back to this moved back into the Pennsylvania area and they there's got no this way team he wouldn't and, take 
there's no way he wouldn't take an NHL head coaching job. I know. He loves it. Like he is legitimately in love with the drama of hockey as much as he is the game of hockey. And that may be why his shelf life is so short. Okay. That's my hunch. That, all of that being said, uh, still, I'm, I'm, it's a two-man race for me, and it's the same two names as you've got. So, um, let's uh, come home for a little tiny bit since uh, we're back on the we, East Coast, anyways. Sure. What do we got? Bruins. Uh, you know, I've talked about the Bruins not being quite there for the Stanley Cup this year, and I think they finally made the move to correct that. They have shored up their defense in a way that I don't think any other general manager has just has the imagination to do. Wait, so. wait, Sweeney's spending money. Technically, Cause, yes, because he wouldn't he wouldn't go after Petrangelo. He wouldn't go after Krug. He wouldn't go after Dunn. He wouldn't go after uh, Nate Schmidt. He wouldn't go after. Um, well, just about any defender that was available in free agency, except for Kevin Miller. And you know what? Kevin Miller did really well in the time that he was healthy. Uh, hopefully he'll be healthy again really soon. Yeah. Big speedy recovery to Mr. Miller. Cause he has and played other billion injured defensemen. He has. Yeah. He has played, um, Above what I was expecting is the easiest way to phrase it. He has played above expectations this season. He looked as good as he did before he was injured. Yeah. And in some ways, possibly better. I think he was making some really, really good reads. And I think that he had the most consistently useful exit passes of all the blue liners of this season for the Boston Bruins. But... That's all changed. The entire landscape of sports. Yeah. What? 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 Who? Who did? Who did he spend money on? Like you know, we talk about Patrice Bergeron being the next name to go into the Raptors. It might. It we might have to change that estimation. We might. Okay. The Boston Bruins claim Jared Tenorti off of waivers from from the from the Predators. Mark Tenorti's kid. No, no, no. Jared Tenorti is the famous one. Anyone else is their relative. Oh. Because Mark Tenorti was a pretty good hockey player. Jared Tenorti, who of 88 games in the NHL, 88 games, a rugged veteran. Um, has, he was in Nashville. He was in Nashville we all 11 know. points. We all know Nashville's the we all know Nashville and their their the defense the quality of defensemen that have come out of that organization. Absolutely. And Jared Tenorti. What did we have to give up? Like two first round picks for this kid? Uh, like the haul that uh, the haul that the Predators received is legendary and worth every penny. Every penny. I don't Jared Tenorti. Yeah. As we all know, let's just recite his credentials. Pick 22nd overall in the 2010 draft. That's right. That's right. 
Um, wait, 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 2010 draft and he's played all of 88 games. Okay, now I'm nervous. Hey, you know, some greatness is just too much for its times. I mean, and it is hard to crack a lineup where you have Shea Weber and and Roman Yossi and Matthias Ekholm and Ryan Ellis. And if he had played more games, I think he might have ruined this sport for everyone. Like we could like if he had played even half of the games since 2010, Mm -hmm. I think that his the shining beacon that he is might have so cast such dark shadows over everyone else in the league that we could today have like a 10 team NHL league because no one else, nothing else, nothing else was possible. Like people couldn't watch him and then still enjoy hockey without him anytime in like the next two months, maybe. So what, so what did we give up for him? Like I said, two first round picks. I mean, not that we had, not that we have a whole lot of draft capital to give up, but we gave up a roster space. Gave up a roster space. Okay. And his uh, enough money for his amazingly generous salary. I mean, a guy like him who has never played more than 28 well, NHL clearly, games in a season. Clearly he's got to be making, what, four or five million a year. Uh, 700000 But, again, it's it's his generosity to Am the I league missing? and the game and the teams. <laughs> Jared Tenorti. Jared Tenorti. Wow. I I don't I, I don't know what to say. They may as well just end the season now. Uh, you know, award the cup, send Between. everyone home, reconvene when everyone's been uh, vaccinated, and we're we're good to go. We'll have full arenas. Uh, everyone will be safe. No major injuries. Everyone can start in like September, October at the normal time. And we can have a normal 82-game season. Granted, he'll probably have to retire because, uh, again, if he plays a full season, it's just going to destroy the league. I'm pretty sure he's not going to be allowed to wear that number. Why? Because some guy named O'Reilly wore it and it's been retired. Just take it out of the rafters. Not that important. Well, I mean, this guy clearly, I mean, Jared Tenorti, clearly we should be unretiring Terry O'Reilly's number, number 24. Any number he wants. Mm. If he wants number seven, give it to him. If he wants 77, give it to him. Number four, make it happen. Um. Yeah, okay. No. <laughs> I straight face most of this time. I did. So the answer here was what? The fact that Sweeney could pull off this move. It didn't cost him a lot of money. And they did and desperately he, need a warm body. And, and they needed Jared a, Tenorti is definitely above room temperature. Well, that's a good sign. I mean, if we can put him on the ice and he can skate on his own, that's a plus. <laughs> if you don't have to push him around. <laughs> Sorry. That, 88 okay. games, he had, what, 11 points? <laughs> That's correct. Um, Sorry. Moving I'm... on to other Bruins news. Yes, please. <laughs> uh, I mean, we can stay on this if you really want to, but... Uh, uh, I think we've beaten this one to death. 
Um, Matt Grizzlick did actually manage to practice on Grizzly. Saturday. A, and, a defenseman with talent. Oh, wait, did I say that out loud? And there's rumor. It's been speculated that he could be available for today's game. Um, I think that they're probably going to surely from a caution standpoint. I don't, um, I don't think he played today. I don't think he plays today. I think it's going to be Wednesday when they uh, put him back on the ice. Um, but that's my hunch. Um, I think maybe, there's going to be a lot of there's a lot of animosity brewing uh, between the Rangers and Bruins. I don't know that I'm ready for Grizz to go getting involved in and whether you whether you say that oh yeah he could he can just avoid it. This is hockey. It's an emotional sport. Um, players police themselves to a point. I, he, Something happens. He's not necessarily. He's not going to just skate away from it. I mean, it, it takes a lot of uh, internal effort to not get involved because the desire is to. I just no. I don't think he's going to play. I, I. That's my opinion. I. He may, but I don't think he's going to. But it's nice to have him back on skates. It's nice to have him going again. Uh, the only thing that it bothers me about it is the fact that, unfortunately, one of my faves and one of yours, uh, Mr. Cliffy Hockey, is going to be once again riding the elevator between the ice and the ninth floor. Probably, but uh, as much as I love Clifton, I think that uh, although it's saying that Oh, let's see. Uh, I haven't seen uh, a lineup for today, which isn't necessarily unusual given that. Um, given that the game is an early start. Uh, but it does appear, yeah, uh, McKagan, Carson will be in camper will be in Anders Bjork, Chris Wagner and the immortal John Moore will be out. And our goaltender today is to use two K's to distract it. I, I to Karask. <laughs> All righty then. Um, no. Oh, heading, uh, heading west again and all the way west. All the way west, like California, California, give you some of that Orange County love. Trevor Zegras had a, he he obviously made his NHL debut Mm -hmm. and his post game interview is so hilariously laid back that I don't think I could manage it after my first NHL game. If I actually was drugged as soon as I came off the ice, he's just, yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Good to play for the game. Like good to play with the team here to help and saying all the right things. Oh, like saying all the right things, but like this, it didn't feel like performance either. Um, 
a lot of guys we've seen over the he years. Seems like well. lay, he seems like a laid back kid. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I mean, we've seen guys uh, who shall remain nameless, but play in, uh, play in Pennsylvania who, you know, they get to the league and they say all the right things, but no one necessarily believes them, or at least I never did. Okay. Um, but I have to wonder, even though, I mean, Zegers was playing at the World Juniors, and they immediately. Go ahead. I was just going to say a ridiculous level as far as points production. Completely and, ridiculous and, level, and for whatever reason, and it might just be physical, like physical physicality and size, they sent him to the AHL and not didn't immediately bring him to the NHL. I was okay with that. I think that he needs to, uh, and I say this knowing that he went to, he played, you know, here at Zegras, BU. BU, 36 points yeah. in 33 games last year. Yeah, knowing that he's played here, and I think they sent him down because he needs to learn North American hockey. Well, mm. The physicality, the yeah, the, I think he the needs to learn grown up hockey. No, he 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 came out of the USHL. Okay, all right. So he Head knows a little bit York. about he knows a little bit about rough and tough. Okay, but he's six feet and one hundred and sixty nine pounds, which means okay. Let's put on a little bit of muscle. Yes, uh, your goal this off season, Trevor, <laughs> is to hit one seventy five, like one seventy five. You six pounds, you can do it. Um, That's but, it, just six. Well, mm-hmm. If he, well, we don't need him on the Brandon Bochensky diet, but like, <laughs> if he managed now, to, now. <laughs> if he managed to hit camp this fall at 180 pounds, and uh, and you know, nine of those pounds are more muscle, great, okay. like great, but like he should not be bulking up to 200 pounds between now and the opening of next season. No, no, I'm not saying 200. No, 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 no. 200 on. No, that would be a too drastic. B too heavy. Uh, I think that it's six and feet. C probably illegal. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, he went from the. He went from world juniors where he had a modest <clears throat> 18 points, uh, including seven goals and 11 assists in seven games. Mm hmm. To the AHL, where he had nine points in eight games. Um, as of now, on the Ducks, who I think most of us are fairly certain are not winning the Stanley Cup this year, um, and who somehow, amazingly, are not in contention in the Honda West, um, where he's got zero points in three games. Uh, I have to wonder... Was it worth him coming out of college this year? Because even if he didn't play all the extra time training and maybe bulking up versus being on a team where the locker room can't be a happy place when you're losing, when you've won six out of 21 games, um, you've lost 10, you've lost 10 of them. Uh, in regulation, um, I'm, in the, I'm of the belief. I'm of the belief that 
uh, a sophomore season at BU would have been the right answer for him. Uh, his oh, draft. Yeah. The thing is, y- y- you worry about your draft, uh, avail your draft slot, and, and clearly he was going to be a, a high draft pick, but whether he'd go back to college and get injured, I think that he could have benefited from a second year at Boston University. I mean, in an ordinary world, uh, in a pre-pandemic world, I think that's what would have happened. I hope that's what would have happened. Yes, his talent is literally amazing against guys roughly his size. But let's face it, in the NHL, Tory Krug is, you know, three inches shorter, four inches shorter, and can probably legitimately check him hard enough to send him flying 10 or 15 feet if if, uh, Zegers doesn't have his head up. We've seen Marchand, who is no bigger than Krug, literally pound the face in of a guy who outweighed him by 20 pounds. Um, And God, that was fun. But... Okay. Uh, and then you've got then you've got legitimate big guys, you know, even even guys who are not huge huge like uh Wilson in Washington can wear you out with two good hits um or lay you out with one if they're trying. Um you've got guys up and down I I just hope he I just hope he makes it through the season healthy and gets a little bit bulkier and in, in the off, off season yeah in the off season it's like interesting he's wearing that's my goal he's interesting he's wearing number forty six out there in Anaheim I don't know if there's anything to the number or if it was just like the first thing available you know different coaches have different ways of running things uh, I know that here obviously forty six David Krejci well known he played here in Boston you know. It, I don't know if there's anything to the fact that he's wearing that number. Uh, we had one head coach that ripped the number 75 off of Hal Gill because he was of the belief that if you wanted a, a, a higher number, you had to earn it. So Hal Gill went from 75 down to 25. That was when Brent, when uh, Burns was the Ken Burns was the coach. Ooh. Ken Burns. Uh, no, Pat Burns. Pat Burns. Thank you, Pat Burns. Um, yeah, because he came into the league wearing 75. Pat Burns said, no, 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 you got to earn it. And brought him down. to So different coaches have different ideas on numbers that players wear. I'm just wondering, curiosity, you know, just begs the question, is he wearing it because of his time here and seeing, you know, is he a crazy fan or is 46 just the number he was assigned? And he'll certainly be wearing, say, number nine or whatever it was he wore in at BU uh, or, and World Juniors next season. So, curiosity, that's all. Um, but he, one of the things he talks about, and I'll retweet the uh, – it's um, the 28th uh, just before noon. I'm going to retweet uh, the video. He mentions that he's wearing a loner jacket from uh, Drysdale um, because his didn't make it. Um it just I I look forward to having him in the NHL, not just for the on ice entertainment, but he seems like a good dude, um, which differentiates him from the NHL's occasional buttheads. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. What else do we have on the board today? 
there's still lots on the board. Something about defending William Nylander. I'm assuming it, it says defending Nylander. So, I mean, is this that's an interesting story? Um, but is I it don't time sensitive. Can we push it? I think we should have push that one to next week. We I keep mean, running. We're, we're over. pretty much up against time here. Although there is that one amazing story that we wanted to talk about uh, that might impact his willingness to take the uh, to All take right. the uh, Seattle job. If we can do it quickly and I can manage to keep a straight face, absolutely. Mike Babcock <laughs> is coaching again. Uh, not not the Seattle Kraken. Not yet. Not yet. No, no. Where is he coaching again? Well, he's coaching in college, but it's not so a top PCAC? tier. No, it, it's not a top tier Northeast. Hockey East? No, not Hockey East. Colorado College? No, it's not a Midwest or, or it, it's not Michigan. No, no, not Minnesota. It's not a top tier oh, team. Wait, 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 wait. Let me guess. He's coaching um, Miami of Ohio? No, that would be Big Ten. No, he is going to be coaching in the college ranks at the the highly touted uh, University of Saskatchewan in, yes, Canada. Wait, 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 wait. Now, I haven't been following hockey my entire life, but I paid pretty close attention the last 15 plus years. So... Memory serves, and feel free to correct me, when mm-hmm. we're talking about where players are being drafted from, OHL, WHL, the USHL, and Q are probably three and four, uh, at least over the last 10 years in that order. Um And then, of course, you have all the various European leagues, and it's unfair to mash them together, but we're going to mash them together just based on headcount into into the uh, NHL. Mm -hmm. And then you got like junior, you got the U.S. colleges and universities, and then like junior B in junior A and junior B in Canada, and some of and uh, organizations like the NAHL and the USHPL in the U.S. And then, like, some U.S. high schools. Uh-huh. Uh, so we're down to, like, what, number 10 on the source list? I didn't realize that like, uh, universities – I didn't realize they were that high on the list, to be quite honest. I, I never what, heard of a player drafted – I've never heard of a player drafted from a Canadian university. Um, I thought – I thought – the Flames drafted uh, a kid out of there, but he might have actually been Canadian high school. Um, was that Jankowski? Mark Jankowski? Uh, but you if you ask totally me to name another me player, one. if you ask me to name another player who I even thought was drafted out of a Canadian high school or college, the answer would be no, I can't do that. So they are the University of Saskatchewan Huskies. He's going to be replacing longtime coach Dave Adolph, who recently retired after 27 seasons. Woo-ha. Oh, wait a minute. 
you know, there's something familiar about that team. Note Mark Jankowski um, uh, of the Flames was actually drafted. Uh, he's 26 years old. Uh, he's now playing for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, back in 2012, he was heading to Providence College. Um, go ahead. Um, I'm just no. I'm just going to say that I think that based on as much as you know, we joke, and and neither one of us is a huge fan of him as far as his head coaching ability. He's more a manager than than coaching. But the thing based on what is reported he did in in Toronto before getting terminated from there, as far as things like um, having Mitch Marner put together a list of players who were working hard or not, or based on talent level or whatever, and then actually announcing that list to the team, things like that, and and verbal uh, abuses and whatnot. I think that this is actually, if he really wants to get back into coaching, this is the right move. Go somewhere where you're not the focal, you're not going to be a focal point I mean, if if, if the University of Saskatchewan is willing to put up with your past discretions and maybe they won't come back to bite him or them, it might be the best way. But he's going to have to change his behaviors to get back to the NHL or to some sort of high level coaching again. I mean, the fact that he was actually speaking on NBC was a shock to myself and I think you most people with any good sense at all. But then again, I've said for years that the NHL does not know how to market itself. Um, just flat out does not know how to market itself. And uh, I think that the fact that he managed to land working back in the uh NHL so quickly after those allegations and quite frankly, I, his statement, the the only statement that I've heard of his, Oh, those allegations don't, uh, the things that are being said about me don't pass the sniff test is the only thing that he said. The sniff test. So someone fired you a reasonably well-regarded coach who has been to, who has at least that cup ring, which most coaches do not over allegations that don't pass the sniff test. Uh, the sniff test. I, I'm still uh, hung up on what sniff test he's referring to, but okay. I'm gonna have to get back to you on that. I really am. So- so Mike Babcock said he was expected to be fired. He expected that he was going to get fired after Lamarillo was mm, relieved after of his Lumer- GM duties. Yes. Um. It, no, I, the the sniff test they stop. Just go coach your college team. Stay oh, out of the spotlight. That is actually the college he attended for a year. Oh, okay. I mean, it, it, there's things like Johan Franz. Part of their, and, like, 
this must be part of their like career services uh, office, uh, helping helping uh, former students get jobs. Either that, or they're in some sort of of twelve step program where they've got to make amends. And and bringing him back is making amends for something. I don't know. I I honestly don't know. But if he's being given this opportunity, go. Be quiet. Behave yourself. And then maybe, you know, try and weasel your way back into uh, an AHL job and then an NHL job. You know, this is the second chance that some people don't get. Uh, and I don't know if Saskatchewan's Even if you're starting at like the 11th tier as far as entry into the NHL. Right. Just go there, do your job, don't do stuff that you've done in the past. I mean, they, they, one of the things that I read, Johan Franzen apparently went into great detail during an interview uh, about verbal assault that caused a player to have a nervous breakdown on the Red Wings. I, That's impressive. You know, I, not in a good way, but it's impressive. I mean, I've worked for guys and gals like that. Um, not anything I'd be anxious to repeat and would not let my child or nieces, nephews enter into any such insanity. And honestly, most of my nieces and nephews would punch someone who pulled that nonsense. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> and, and as for how he views the Toronto Maple Leafs now, Babcock sees his fingerprints all over the foundation of the current roster. Quote, I have no problem with that whatsoever. Am I jealous at times? I mean, Matthews has become a man. Marner has become a man. That's the process you were involved in. I'm proud of the fact that we went there. We had no players. We ended up with all these guys. We still have the franchise record for most wins. We didn't get it done during playoff time. End quote. Uh, yeah. stop. Just go coach Saskatchewan. Yes. Lou Lamorello had nothing to do with that. Kyle Dubas had nothing to do with that. Coaching staff had nothing to do with that. It was all you, Mike, all you. Woo. And on that note, boys and girls, <laughs> this is where we leave you. Thank you as always for tuning in, share the show. Uh, tell us what you think, what you love, what you hate. Uh, you can find me at PuckSage. You can find me at The Offwing. And you can find us right here again next week.